0: Show. welcome to episode 117 of the mxy show another action-packed show fresh from argentina well that's fresh i'm not but um here we go i'm james burfield your host and the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport sportified fortified through the Four and Moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Vlanderen, Jorge Prado, Lagenfelder, Guadagini, Jonas, Bogers and nine times world champion Thor ambassador, Tony Caroli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike. Nekan, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, rental Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out our website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. So as you heard, fresh from Argentina, I made it all the way there and all the way back. Um, there was a time I do have to admit when, um, there was a possibility that I could have missed a flight. So, um, I can talk about that now, but it was very tense in the car. Jeremy and myself were around about 110 kilometers an hour going through the roads of Argentina, uh, to get to, uh, the first airport, which was uh, Bariloche. So, um, that was on the way back. So yeah, it was tense. Um, but we made it. And uh, there was a few actually a few other riders and uh, team guys which actually didn't make a flight. So um, they uh, we had like connecting flights from uh, Frankfurt to Amsterdam, and um, there was there was a few people. Let's just say, leave no man behind. That doesn't work for some teams. If you don't get on that flight, you are staying. So um, with me fresh on this podcast again is uh, our Australian friend Ed Stratman, MX vice editor. How are you, buddy?
1: Good mate. Yeah, life's good. Crazy weekend of action, mate. Obviously, with Roxon and Fernandez uh, getting the jobs done in the respective uh, disciplines over there, mate. So it was there. Yeah, it was a great weekend, and you guys, you and Jeremy, did a smashing job covering it, mate. It was um, yeah, great to see it, and just great to be back. I'm sure for you, mate, you would have had a blast by the look of it.
0: Yeah, it was um. Yeah, you know, credit to you, buddy, because it was our first weekend doing MXGP. So um, you had to cover obviously the American uh, Supercross, and then you've got uh, MXGP, and me messaging you every ten minutes: can you do this? Can you do that? I'm struggling over here, so please help me. Um, but yeah, it was. I got to be honest, um, the buzz is back. It was so good to be back in uh, in MXGP. It's been a few years since I've um, I've I've been in an ever present. Let's just say uh at MXGP uh for various reasons. So um yeah now because I have to I I'm I'm now the guy to sort of have to go to every every round. Um yeah I was kind of um a little bit apprehensive because you never quite know in uh, and I think a lot of people were kind of wondering will MX Vice be here because obviously Lewis and Sean sort of uh left the end part of this year and left a big gap uh to be filled. But you know um Jeremy's came in, came in uh, uh, Vantende, he's fantastic videographer. He, he got some killer content the weekend. Um, and it's our first time working together as well, really. So it, it was good. We banked off each other. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I struggled a little bit with the tweets because I had to end up filming. So um, it looks like I've got a new job. So I'm now a film guy behind the scenes. So, um, so I was trying to do that and trying to uh, catch little things like, uh, you know, I caught the Renault crash as he sort of hit the waves and just literally went and a few had a little thing. So it's trying to, trying to, trying to uh, sort of tweak whilst watching that. Plus also trying to get stuff on film was a, was a little bit difficult, but
1: yeah, you did a good job though, mate. It was sort of a lot to juggle with just the two of you, but there, there's lots of great action to keep you busy. That's for sure. And you introduced a few cool new things with the track walk with Mitch Evans and, and some nice little videos with hits and, so you obviously got a few more of those things in the pipeline coming forward as well.
0: Yeah. We, we kind of, we had a lot of time obviously because uh, we had four flights to Argentina. Uh, I think we broke all records on how long it took us to get there. I think, uh, I, I think I sort of told a few people, well, yeah, about 64 hours traveling all together. I I'm, you know, how cool I am. Holy shit. We made 36 hours, uh, 60, whatever. I don't even know. I, I even know what day it was. I came back on on I got back Tuesday night at 10. I left AM Monday morning. It was horrific. So um yeah, like yeah, it's not gonna get any worse than that. Like you send me anywhere, but it's not gonna get any worse than Argentina. So um yeah, the new segment I was really pleased with. Um is something that we've been thinking about. It wasn't quite how we wanted it because we wanted to do a we basically we wanted to have a drone following uh mitch around the track so as he's talking we can show the segments however unfortunately we didn't get our uh what would you say our drone creditation in on time for uh for in front and those guys are sticklers for the rules and i trust me i tried to bend them as much as i can um but it seems like i've lost my uh my boyish good looks to try and charm them <laughs> over so um no one's gonna no one's gonna you ain't charming this 47 year old guy anymore so uh yeah, so uh, we had to play by the rules. But we did get some fantastic drone footage from the lake in bits and pieces, which is absolutely no use to this track. But yeah, we, did, we le- at least use a drone. But we've got our accreditation in for um, for Rayola. So we're hoping to do, um, if possible, a track walk with last year's winner, which was Calvin Vlanderen. So I think that could be a really good, insightful one. So I learned a lot, actually, just by walking the track with Mitch and what he was looking at in... One thing which astounded me was just their, um, I think, it, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, but their memory is insane. Like he was telling me every bump, what gear, um, what line he took, why he takes this, who came up the inside of him. Like I was just like, holy shit, I can't even remember what I'd done yesterday. And this guy's reciting the year ago's kind of lines in the race, what was happening. I'm just like, oh, wow. So, um, I think, yeah, you know, I I underestimate these guys with their um, capacity for not only for learning, but also for remembering, because they're obviously making split second decisions, but not only making split second decisions. It's like they're a bit like a computer with uh, random access memory, which they can just literally pull up as and when they need. And they've got like the big old hard drive, which keeps everything (laughs) in there. So um, yeah, I was super impressed with Mitch. Actually, walking the track with him, hearing what he had to say, was just like, yeah, this is why I'm a shit rider, and I'm never going to be any good. (laughs) I never.
1: It was plenty of cool insight on that. And um, how did you find the track being there in person? Obviously, it's a super fast track, divides opinions a little bit, but um, super fast, super flowy, suits someone like Fernandez, obviously, that's pretty happy to go wide open, sort of full gas, and. What, what did you? What was your take on it? How the soil was with that little bit of rain too, and any changes you saw throughout the weekend?
0: It was it was definitely one of those tracks that when you first walk around, you're kind of like, oh, "I've only had my bike," uh, because it, it was it was amazing, you know. And, and you, yeah. you look at it, and you just think this would just be an absolute pleasure to ride. And then I think by about lap three, I would like that bike would be in the van, and I would be driving across Argentina because there's no way you could pay me to ride that. It. It developed quite quickly in the fact that loads of square edges, um, every jump just had a kicker on. Mm-hmm. And the Jeremy Sewer crash uh, epitomized or emphasized everything that um, could happen with the soil and how it was. A-, a lot of riders said it wasn't as soft as previous years it was a lot harder. So whether, um, you know, the track's been used quite a few times, I haven't dug down deep, uh, various, various things. But but talking to the riders, uh, I talked to Jonas, I talked to Kaida Wolf, oh so many riders, just about the track and the conditions. They were all saying the same thing. It, yes, it's a super fast track, but this year, um, the track was super hard, super sketchy. And there was no room for error. The biggest, uh, the biggest example of that was uh, the big long pit straight. You came over the finish line jump. You came past pit lane uh, and the guys are tapped out and they're literally heading into the corner. And as they're breaking, their front wheel just wants to tuck in the amount. I, I was there trying to get some slow-mo for the cameras just to try and get, you know, literally trying to get some, uh, some good content of, of the riders coming in. And uh, i I got to be honest, I was nearly pooping my pants three times when I seen the front tuck, and they were heading straight for me. So it was like, do you know what? N- yeah, you can have your content maybe another day. Uh, but the thing was, is like, you know, Ferrato was just coming in, and literally how he saved it, I do not know. But he came in, and the front just went. So it's basically as soon as they tried to break, the, the front would just tuck in. And, and a lot of riders complained about that. It, I don't know whether that was a suspension thing. They didn't seem to th- think so. They just said it. Just how the track lent it. What was interesting was the Sunday because we had quite a bit of rain come down. So the Saturday was baking hot. So that that track just got harder. But on the um, on the Sunday when we did have the rain overnight and we had the rain throughout the day, the track changed completely. And I think you can see from some of the results, especially in qualifying. Um, you know, it, again the starts are are you know important, but they were even more important on the Sunday. So. A lot of riders said that the track was way better on the Sunday, but it was so rough, so sketchy and, and, and still fast. But uh, again, it's one of those things who, who's going to hold open that throttle a little bit more and yeah, it's so I,
1: much faith in the front ends and, and trust in the bikes because like you're just saying those those ledges and and kickers off the jumps like even jeremy was saying afterwards that you know he just he didn't even know what he did wrong like they you'd make an app crashes and you don't even do anything wrong you have to feel everything's in line you're in control and you know there's even the renault one that was a nasty little edgy court and those waves like the right hand side had a, obviously people go around the outside that developed the nastier little ledge there, and you see a lot of guys going inside. Like I know Fevra had some really nice lines on the inside keeping it smooth and then carrying the momentum and keeping low, whereas obviously that kicker would give you that boost and just that section, that, that little dragon's back they added um, just to obviously try and slow things down a little bit. But, yeah, there's just it was just looked like a real challenge, mate, and you saw it firsthand. So, yeah, it's, the, to get through that one, I think a lot of blokes will be pretty happy.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. You said two points there. With um uh Mitch Evans on the track walk on Friday, he was walking around the waves and he turned around to me and I think he's probably on camera, and he said, This is gonna this is gonna catch a few people out. Um and, and he was right because uh I can't remember the rider, and just trying to think of um the rider, I think it was maybe MX2. Um the guy was ninety-five on MX two, but basically he hit those waves and he didn't stop. And when I meant stop, he was like a torpedo. The guy literally hit one wave, whiskey froled, and just went through the advertising board. So um, I mean, great coverage again for the guy for the guy's at YZF or whatever it was called, YPF or, or something. But they needed to replace the advertising board again today because he snapped that thing in half. Um, and then the second claim uh, obviously was Renault, which was a big one, because up to that point, this is the ironic thing. I'm in pit lane and I'm watching Renault in his sector times everything. He is just crushing it. He's a second faster than anyone on track. And if you you, you watched him and he was just picking up time everywhere, I, I'm literally in my hands tweeting, um, watch this. Renault has got this for the win. And as I'm just about to press send, I look up and just watch him take off in which literally the back came down, obviously pulled on the throttle a little bit and just lost it. It was kind of like Villapoto-esque from Thailand where he just literally gave it too much and he just couldn't save it. And I thought at one point he, did, he was going to save it. But like, obviously no back fender. Um, I think maybe the uh, the, the um, no visor geyser was was gone as well. So, um, but to be fair, credit to him. He, um that was a big old knock and he got back up and uh, I went and seen both him and Jeremy. So I spoke to I, I spoke to Jeremy after his crash. I went straight straight to him, just you know, check out. He was just like, "Do you know what I?" Uh, and I and I was like, "Oh, could you, what happened the the previous day?" I had to speak to Jeremy for Monster about um his crash in Argentina the week before, uh, sorry, the year before. So I was like, I'm, "I've jinxed it, and I, I'm really sorry, dude. Like, I know I've jinxed it. It was, it was in your head." He goes, "No, no, no." He said. you know what? I felt good. I'd done absolutely nothing wrong. There there was nothing wrong. The bike was fine. I was fine. I hit that same spot every lap. He said, I still can't tell you what went wrong. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you imagine that must be playing so much in his head throughout the rest of the weekend, because sometimes, you know, when you make a mistake and you know what you've done, you're not going to make it again. How about not making a mistake, not knowing what you've done, and you 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 have a crash which that could have gone one or two ways. He was so lucky to to have just come away with a sore neck.
1: Oh, it was so scary. Just like just had, had that sort of you know heart in the mouth with the you saw just obviously Geyser a few weeks ago, him just getting launched off the, the bike as well in a, a sort of a similar trajectory, I guess you could say, just I suppose he yeah. was Jeremy had the downslope and he he actually like dismounted it very well to avoid any serious injury but yeah you would hate to think the thoughts going through your head because you can't analyze a crash like that and because then work out what i did wrong what was what, what the solution or a, to alleviate it you just can't do it so to get through it i'm where everyone's just so so thankful that he was all right and a lot of the other riders too didn't didn't come off so well obviously mcclellan he, he did his shoulder again and Bruman obviously didn't pass the medical test. So there was, and Mitch Evans obviously wasn't well, well enough with the thumb, um, broken thumb from a couple of weeks ago. So it's just, yeah, I suppose overall, like a lot of guys got through unscathed considering the amount of crashes there were. Like it could have been so much worse. And like you were saying, people with, with crashes playing on the mind of, of jeremy as well as kai last year he was talking to you and saying he had a he had a big one and whilst he rode really well he just never felt it did he He never felt at home on the track or just that comfort level he had the pace in some of the sessions and the race he looked fast too he just just never felt at home at that track and it must be the same for many guys and fernandez is a pretty pretty massive credit to him and guys like renault and even sewer and hurlings that battle in the second moto was epic like they were hitting 148, so They were the only two guys pretty much, and Fernandez as well, under 150 a lot of the time, and they were really pinning it. And Hurling's responded so well as well after, you know, we give him a lot of credit always because he's just such a, such a mega rider, but actually coming through what he's been through and having that lack of bike time to actually do what he did, you can't really take that for granted because that was such a – that was a special effort, you know, because obviously 10th in the qualifying race, I think it was 10th in the warm-up you know, sort of along those expectations, you spoke to him at Hawkstone. He said, I'm looking for five to seven and, you know, I'm not really going to push the envelope too hard because I know what's, I, the, the Tim crash had just happened before. And to actually get, was a fourth and a second is just, just incredible effort really. He must have just sort of the fitness and the recovery work. It's a testament to that. And just the mentality of the bloke too, to, to come through, battle through the weekend, having it from a rough start to finish, to flourish at the end. Pretty incredible. And now he's raised the bar for himself, um, which he probably didn't want to do so early, but you can't hide it now, can you?
0: No. Uh, going back to your first point, um, canden McKellen desiccated his uh, shoulder, um, I think it was two weeks previous. So um, wasn't sure whether he'd be able to ride. The bikes were already sent, so he just thought, you know what? I'm just going to go and see how it goes. So literally, he didn't even crash a bump he was literally just went over a bump and the the shoulder dislocated so yeah. that would that wasn't the track that was just you know him kevin broomman had a big one and didn't pass the medical um so that would yeah obviously um as a bad one on the track uh mitch again um two weeks previous uh training um the guys done a lot of work on the bike over, over the winter so that he's been pounding out the laps so um I I guess if you're going to ride the bike that much, maybe it's inevitable that something's going to, you know, you're going to get injured somehow. Um, But I I guess every team's different about what, how much testing they do and and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, he's obviously got an issue with his thumb. Um, Whether or not he lines up in, um, uh, in Sardinia will be another matter. I think maybe we might see him back in, uh, in Switzerland. I think it's going to, I think he needs to take some time now to get that, that right because um, obviously he's come back and it's still not right so if you can't hold on to the bike then you got yeah. it's a bit of an issue um, I think you know go, and then going on to, to Herlin's that performance was was so unlike Herlin's performance because I don't I, I don't know if you I I was watching him and I th- I still think he was riding within way within his comfort zone, way within his means. And he was just he just got the job done. He got a good start and he was able to put the laps in and go at a comfortable pace that he was happy with. Um so I don't think it's it's too much off of his what he was trying to do, top five and in and take it easy. I think the opportunity came. And, uh, and he took it with both hands. But you could see from the qualifying on the Saturday, he was not looking to take any risks. So that backs up what he said in Haltstone with, do you know what? I seen Tim. And uh, yeah, it's a long old, it, you know, he's looking at this as 60 GPs, 60 races. That's what he's looking at this uh, this as. So um, I'm just, I, I expected him to put a hammer down. Um, and the old Hurling's like, literally, do you know what? I'm not 100%, but let's go. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He, he stuck to his game plan, and I think, I think we have to put some credit to Caroli for that because that there's a one difference between um, what Jeffrey is now, how he was now, and how he would have been previously. And I think that's having someone like Caroli in his in his uh, corner, who's basically saying, "You've got this. Why do you need to take risks this earlier on in the year, especially when your main rival and competitor is injured." So I think a lot has to be said, and I think a few people brought up, brought this up on um, on Twitter, and are quite right. I'm not going to take the credit for this, um, but yeah, it, since I think Caroli has got that that old head on 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 young shoulders. Still, he's been there. He's seen it done. He knows what's he he knows how to win titles and to win many titles um, consecutively. So. Uh, I think he's he's a, he's a great person for Jeffrey to be around. We're only seeing the benefit of that. So it's kind of scary for everybody else when you've got someone like Caroli in your corner and you've got someone like who can ride the way Hurlins rides. So um, what, what a team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because obviously caroli's not really far removed from racing at all. So you hear from some of those like Adamo, for example, he's got Smets who's obviously got like that men's training sort of knowledge obviously a massive obviously a huge world champion awesome career legend but he said having like Adamo said Caroli having that current bike knowledge and everything he knows plus Smets with his previous knowledge um, and the training knowledge specifically physically but there's that current bike knowledge Kiroli brings has helped him a lot in um, certain aspects so you're yeah, having him around is obviously massive and it just would yeah, just really level things out and probably um yeah give him a sense of calm before races and it'd be good to have someone like that to talk to for a guy like hurlings because obviously he's got a massive respect for him from the battles they've had in the past and it's a 2018 Argentina would have brought back some memories for him when um hurlings did that ridiculous comeback and um and snatched it there it's um yeah but it was a good it was a really impressive effort like obviously you got the second and third fastest lap times in in the Modos, hurlings and you know it's Hurlings, but you can't underestimate these other guys too. And they've stepped up everything too. Like Renault, the speed those guys are carrying—it's quite incredible. You can't, you can't, you can't sort of sleep on those other guys and how far they've come in their development and their training, just as hard. And even when you, you hear about guys's program, he's switching it up all the time to get better because he knows he has to keep elevating to match it with these guys. And because there's just a stack of heavy hitters, and Hurlings would be doing the same thing even though he sort of came into the season um, a little bit undercooked uh, as you would, he still had two wins in pre-season and in the Hawkstone outing. So he ha- he had a bit of, a bit of racing experience, but nothing can you prepare you for that opener. And to do what he did is uh, nothing short of impressive, mate.
0: Yeah. I, um, you, you know, we're going to look at this and say, Hurlins uh, is the, still the guy to be, you know, it, it, you know, he sh- he showed, yes, he's being patient, but when you look at the, the you know, the points he's literally, um, so let's, let's bring up the points now. So obviously the qualifying race was a little bit of a disappointment for him because, uh, he obviously only picked up the one point, which was in 10th place.
1: Yeah. So he's back in but, fourth.
0: Yeah. So the obviously uh, he, he's only two points down in the championship. I think it's two points down.
1: Oh, uh, I think he's uh, nine because, um, nine, Prado oh, sorry, obviously no. got the 10. Yeah.
0: But, you Know if, if you said to Jeffrey Hurlins, um, yeah, sorry, it's tw- uh, yeah, yeah, nine points down. So, um, yes. if you said to Jeffrey Hurlins, you know, you know, nine points, that's that's nothing for Jeffrey Hurlins to, to make up. Mm-hmm. So, he, he is going to go about his game plan and just over the next sort of four races, um, he, he's going to do uh, do what he needs to do to get back to it to, to winning ways. But I think it's going to be a lot quicker than, yeah. um, Possibly he he mentioned. Sorry, two points was Fernandez. Um, yes,
1: we should probably talk about Fernandez too and give him some credit for that for that mega ride he put in. Obviously, going five one for the for the win. It's not a not a set of score lines that obviously usually associate with an overall win. But yeah, first first Moto win, first GP win, just a just a really good ride. And obviously, had a little issue in the in the first race as well, which is sort of. Become a little bit customary with him quite fast, and obviously has a tendency to have a few spills. But he did pick up the consistency quite a lot last year, especially in the first half before he had a spill at Lock. And he got a couple of podiums. Um, definitely maturing, maybe showing a lot more signs of some some discipline. And he handled the, the weight of the weight of expectations and pressure being the sole man on that HRC. Um, bike without geyser obviously so to do that with the with obviously the spanish-speaking crowd it was probably definitely a perfect weekend for him and he, he handled everything really well and he looked he looked really good on that track and even his lap times especially in that second moto they were pretty consistently fast like he was regularly you thought maybe a hurlings or a sewer might might get in on him but he's just he kept it fast and he was he was pretty pinned the whole moto and and from seeing him in person, did you see that on the track too? Just everywhere you were standing, did you notice that that intensity that he was bringing throughout the whole moto?
0: Yeah. I, there was there was signs of it from the qualifying race. He was only eight seconds down on the qualifying race on the Saturday and you've seen little snippets of, of uh, hang on a minute, what's going on here? It kind of, you know, I know that. I think one of the interesting things was um, uh, Giacomo Garibaldi I think it was about two years ago, um, or it might have been the early part part of last year. He uh, he kind of said to a couple of people, "This kid's going to be a star. Like he will be a world champion." And uh, I got to be honest, at the time, I was like, "I'm, I'm a big Fernandez fan." Um, I think if you listen to previous podcasts, um, when when Lewis was on the show. Um, I, I've been a big fan of, of Fernandez just because I like his style on MX2. He kind of just gave it as all. Mm. And, um, and and I like that, you know, he's, I, I like that. The fact that he's, he's a little bit wild, but he's willing to pull it out there. So, um, But I think what's happened now is I think working with, obviously, Tim and working with HRC, and the belief that Garibaldi's shown in him, I mean, those guys must have just been, what the hell? How the hell do we lose Tim and still win... Um, you know, the, the GP. So Illifresh mm. GP of the yeah, you know, I mean, no one would have would have seen that coming. So And do you um, feel the
1: the faith that they put in him as well? Um obviously they didn't get to go the fill-in route. So it's like they obviously have a lot of trust and faith and belief in him too, and he obviously thrived on that.
0: Well, I I think it justified the decision HRC made mm. because they had the choice between him or Mitch. And a lot of people were, Hey, you know, um that this is obviously they, they they see a lot more than we do i mean we're just media and fans and stuff like that and as much as we think we know everything those guys spend day in day out with them so um you you, you got to say that the maybe it's justified now with the performance that he put in um and, and Giacomo was was correct in his uh you know kind of predictions that, that maybe one day I, I, and I know I'm going to get slated for this, but his rise reminds me of um, Fevra's rise between uh, MX2 and MXGP. And I know that a lot of people aren't going to agree with me, but it was just how Fevra was, um, you know, that fast guy on an MX2 bike, came came into the, the sport late because he was into supermoto before. And then he just exploded and then won in his rookie year in, uh, in MXGP. So do you know what? I mean, what a story. Can you imagine if he carries on his development of what he's doing and he's a contender by rank seven or eight? I mean, (laughs) he's the type of person that you wouldn't want to let have a lot of confidence because as soon as he cracks it, he's already shown that he can win a GP. So, um, yeah, I mean, is he a contender for the title? It's way too soon to say that. But I think what he's done is basically shown everybody that, do you know what? (laughs) I'm, I'm not just a top five guy. I, I, I'm i not even a podium guy. I can win races.
1: Yeah, you know that games. he's definitely up for the battle. Like, he's a pretty hard-nosed competitor. He's aggressive. He's fiery. He, he, he wouldn't probably have too many issues on shoving it down the inside if he had to, you know. So he's probably make, he's one of those guys that's um, not martial level, but he's pretty uncomfortable to race against. He doesn't make it easy for you. He's he's, he's obviously clean, but he, he doesn't mind that assertive move and to stamp his authority on motos and competitors. So... To, to see him do so well, it was nothing short of impressive, mate, but um, obviously we could probably move on to – oh, you want to have a cu- quick couple more thoughts on him? Yeah,
0: no, I was just going to say the one thing which um, which uh, I was impressed with, with was just how relaxed he was because obviously mm. him and Prado got a lot of attention because obviously they're Spanish-speaking. So um, yeah. uh, he had a lot of fans around him. There was a lot of people around HRC, and there wasn't in, – in Argentina, it's not like they can go in the back of a truck and escape – they're always kind of in the public eye. Yes, there's some boardings which they can go and sit behind on the chair, but they're walking through the pits, fans are asking them, you know, and and he was just super relaxed, really cool with the fans, walking around. And and that struck me as well, with how relaxed he was and still able to do what he'd done. So yeah, I think that that's a credit to him. Yeah,
1: it must like it. You don't often think about it, but for those guys, even just doing all that media stuff, it, it must be so draining. And then to sort of recalibrate your focus and, and they probably have, they do, they have naps and these kind of things, but just to, just to feel up for things like it's a big day and it's a lot of, it's a lot of sort of commitments to do, especially for Prado and Fernandez. So to, you don't sort of see that side of it as much, but it must just be, it must be exhausting and you'd see how much they do on site.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, J- Jeremy Seward came out at one point just to sign some, um, uh, some bits and pieces for the fans and it was insane there must have been like six deep and uh yeah. just he could have been there all day literally he, he, maybe yeah. just not even race He could just carry on signing <laughs> and he still have it. so um it, it, it was it was crazy but one one thing it did like the, the argentina fans are so passionate it took us two hours to get out of the track um <laughs> in in whatever you've seen on tv doesn't justify how many people were there because it was absolutely packed and it's in the middle of nowhere so like Ooh. these these you know, the crowd was coming from all over. It was um it was well, you're talking an
1: eighteen hour drive from the, the capital, Buenos Aires, like it's it is literally in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Like
0: Yeah, it is in the middle of Patagonia. So I think quite close to Chile. Um yeah, yeah it's not exactly your everyday um you know, place which you can just pop out pop over to. But um yeah, yeah one thing I wanted to say actually was um, you know, a huge thank you to uh parts Europe uh, a Fox, uh, monster energy. Um, uh, who else? AS free, um, Scott. Scott, uh, you know, these guys have come on board. We would not have been in Argentina if it wasn't for the people I've just shouted about. Um, okay. You know, th- those those guys have been absolutely awesome in, in, in having our back. And not only that, I don't know if you guys have seen, but on the site now, we've got this thing called Coffee, which is K-O-F-I. And uh, I really want to give a shout out to Steve C., uh, Jack Light, Kevin Connor, Lee Morgan, Diego Classens, uh, Paul Percy, and uh, Wilma Simpson. Um, those guys, believe it or not, uh, ranging from one pound to 25 quid, Um that money went towards um some some of it went towards our hotel. So um you guys donating in in actually reading our articles, watching our videos, and just you know, some guys are signed up in, in uh literally are donating a pound a month. Um it's called Coffee FI. You can find it on the link on our articles. I just want to say that that money went a long way. So um, you know, from everything like car parking to to, to hotels and, and everything else. You know um, that that money was used very, very wisely and it got us to the GP. So um, huge thank you to those guys. Um, you know, without you guys, we ain't doing this. It's that simple. And without those sponsors, you know, we ain't getting there. So um, a huge thank you to uh, to those those companies that stuck by us. Um, and and you know what, we're gonna work our ass off to uh, repay that loyalty uh, over the next twelve months. And hopefully, Argentina showed what we can do
1: absolutely mate yeah and it's it's yeah we're so grateful obviously for them supporting us and the, and the fans supporting us and you know we appreciate all the feedback and the and the comments and the kind words from from the work we've put up this week you know there's there's been heaps of video edits um from Jeremy and yourself and lots of um lots of articles and content and you know galleries and the, the people are enjoying it We we we're grateful for you taking your time to um read everything and if you have any suggestions we're open to it you know we'll try to to do what the fans want mate and obviously when well, you mentioned Scott before with um they just dropped that JP61 prado signature collection and he certainly marked the occasion in style didn't he mate it was it was a bloody brilliant performance from from prado in front of that sort of uh not a home crowd but essentially a home crowd away from home and he obviously carried that good work he'd been doing in pre-season more so on on the bike testing and the physical training with Joel Smets but obviously the racing he had a pretty bad, bad spill at Lerop actually. And we were lucky nothing came of that because from all reports, it was a, it was a pretty hefty one. So um, yeah, switching things up this year and just riding in different spaces and Belgium and Spain. And he just seemed quite refreshed and rejuvenated. Um, Still only 22 and he's one of the most immensely talented riders out there. So to get back and obviously do so well and, have the red plate and win two of the three point scoring modos and just yeah get another whole shot. I think that was his uh he got sixteen last year. So to get another one, it's that's obviously what you were saying about the track. It just gives you such an advantage to get out of the gate. Um it's something someone like Renault, um, Evans, Ferrato, Kaldoff would have just would love to get at any given time, even Valandra, and you'd love to see him get some better starts. But yeah, he seemed to, he just, he rode just with with sort of intelligence and in a very measured and calculated fashion. And he did, you know, especially in that second mode, you can see he wasn't going to push the envelope to to get as high as he could. He knew he probably, you know, he wasn't fussed if he didn't win, but he had those 10 points from the qualifying race. So that might have conditioned him riding a bit more wisely in that in that second one. Obviously, had February got him late and Coldenoff was coming before he crashed. But, yeah, he, he didn't seem too phased too by it all. He, he did what he had to do and, and stayed fit. That's a key thing for him going forward because he's been making such big progress always since he's moved to that 450. But the injuries and the illness and the last few years, it's just hindered him from getting that really solid base. And it sounds like he's got a long way towards getting that base in the off season. So, um, yeah, really can't say much more about Prado from your perspective, James, how, how did you see it for him?
0: Yeah, he, he was absolutely mega all weekend. And (laughs) this is going to sound bad, but when I watched him in race one, um, and, and he was pretty dominant, I actually thought, Oh no, this could be a really boring season because he looks so good, like ridiculously good. um, not only flawless, but just looked like he was like, it was no effort to it, which is super scary for, I guess, competitors, but, um, uh, yeah. And I was literally sat and stood in pit lane going, oh, this, this, he could literally just walk this. He, he looked that good. And, um, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I was a little bit relieved when, uh, the, the second race wasn't as good because it's like, right. Okay. Game on. We've got, we've got, a we've got a tight, we got, but. When I when, at the end of the weekend, I was I actually sat down and thought to myself, we got we've got five very very good contenders for the title this year, and we previously yeah. in twenty one we had four before um uh, obviously we had, we had an injury, but um yeah. I I I do believe that these five they could be fighting this out to the last couple of rounds.
1: Yeah, um, and what you're saying about Prado, like the numbers back that up to like the fastest lap in the qualifying race by almost a second like and, yeah. and the fastest lap in the first moto and obviously he, he was the fifth fastest in the, in the second, but yeah, that what you're saying is backed up by those numbers. And it's pretty, it would have been a pretty scary <laughs> proposition seeing it like, making that such treacherous track look so difficult. And those yeah, contenders yeah. are looking good. He
0: he was super impressive. And the other person who caught my eye was Fevra as well. It just, again, mm. just looked fast. And it was just one of those things that, and, in and, and when you actually look at the points total, like three points separates the top four. Mm. So, um, I mean, we're talking about um, you know Fernandez winning the, the the overall, but it could have been any one of them. It was yeah. it was that class between the, the the four of them. So, I, I genuinely think um, you know uh, Sewell, um had a you know a not so great day. Renault, um, you know, I've seen enough from Renault to say uh, that's just a wobbly. He, he is going to be there or thereabouts throughout the year. He, the guy is so strong in, in the fact that he had such a big off and was able just to get on, uh, get back on again and, and put a performance in. He did, mm, yeah. you know, that's, that says a lot about his character and the strength of mind. So I, I think it's going to be one of the best MXGP seasons we've had in a, you know, uh, 21 was amazing. I, I genuinely believe this year could be immense.
1: Yeah, I think February might not uh, – he's obviously known for just lightning speed and when he's on, he's on. But that was a really um, pretty pretty smooth ride, like not really too much drama and just accumulating those points going second and a fifth for, for fourth. That's what you've got to do in this title race, especially. It's so long and you you just got to keep picking them up. And especially with those qualifying races, it's sort of – it's quite amazing to think, you know, that Prado's got that lead – already nine over hurlings it doesn't seem to sort of equate from how you saw the weekend but they're going to be important they're going to come into play um, but yeah it could be I'll be really interested to see how Favre goes actually because he sort of flew under the radar a little bit with everything going on around him and he's often one of those guys that has a has a spill that sort of scuppers his weekend or and he just costs himself points in like that 2021 20, season I think remember at Oss, he could have he could have made up so many points there and in a heap of other races too and yeah, I, I think obviously being missing last year most of it, and then he came back and with a little bit of a bang at the end. So I reckon keeping an eye on him will be pretty interesting, mate. And obviously we've we've chatted about hurlings and and speaking about Renault, he obviously we've had a quite a deep chat. But the the determination, the dedication, the motivation of of him, he's going to be one to look out for. He's just got a yeah, eliminate those mistakes as best as possible. But it is hard because these guys are got you got to ride quite on that limit to to be up there. So the risk reward will be interesting to see how he balances that.
0: One one of the funniest things from the weekend was uh, we were obviously doing quite a lot of behind the scenes um, footage and stuff like that, and we go in and out of the the, the tents and chat and to the riders and team managers and, and stuff like that. So uh, we always try and be pretty like uh, you know. Um, a always be quite quite you know, kind of um I guess uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like we would be kind of accommodating and, and just yeah. making sure that we're not doing anything we shouldn't be doing and you know, a, a great deal of respect. So we're um we're we're kind of talking to Mitch and we're in Kawasaki and uh, the uh <laughs> we're we're videoing them working on the bike and then all of a sudden um Basically, Kazaki are having a meltdown because uh, we're videoing the bike on its side. So, um, so they've got this 2024 bike that they don't want anybody to see the side of the bike for some reason. You're only allowed to do the front and the back, and um, no. and they're literally having a meltdown on poor Jeremy, who's um, like, <laughs> what, "What am I doing wrong?" So, um, and I, it just made me chuckle a little bit because when you think about it, like the amount of photos which must be out there now of, of them racing it. Um, yeah. And and then, but I I know it's it's not the team. Obviously, Japan are are kind of you know very cautious over over everything, which I I completely get and I completely understand and completely respect. But it just made me laugh how it's like you can't video that, but you can take a photo when they're going around in so i i just trying to get my head around it was just like i was having a little argument with myself um but it did it did make me chuckle but uh, yeah it's it's super cool hey the japanese are, are back in the kawasaki and pushing it and i'm a teen green guy so i, I love this shit so um yeah. hey if you don't want to video the bike, we won't video the side bike yeah and and what was pretty cool was on the way back we were sat next to the uh, Kawasaki engine guy as well on the plane so he was in our row so it was me Jeremy and in uh, the guy from uh, the engine guy from Kawasaki so um, we were I was like sort of like how's the engine and uh, <laughs> he literally just put his headphones on and watched him, watched the film <laughs> so uh, yeah great fun so um, yeah it was it was it it, it was cool to see Febra back out there and doing what Febra does and um you know it's again. When I, I spoke to him over the weekend with with uh, an interview, what we have done for Monster, and uh, again the mindset, everything is just on point. He he's there to win that title this year, so um, I, I, I'm just mega excited. We got five contenders. We've had Ruben Fernandez, who's just literally upset the apple cart. Uh, Guadagnini in the in the um, uh, a qualifying race on yeah. Saturday was electric. Um, his results didn't justify his performance, but he, again, he said how the track changed from the Saturday to the Sunday. So um, you, you've got Coldenhoff, who, who, who put in uh, just a, a steady, a steady ride. You've got uh, Ferrato, who was giving it absolutely everything for length, length overall. Guillo showed super signs of uh, you know speed was ridiculous. Mm. Uh, style looked very, very good. Uh, Vlanderen had the really good start for once on the, on the Saturdays qualifying race. Uh, he came in and said, do you know what? I I see myself as a top seven guy. Um, if I get seventh overall, I'm happy. So he was not happy. He was not happy with his performance. He said his arms were a little bit tight. Um, he was beating himself up like he always does. Um, one guy who impressed me was Ben Watson. So, um, uh, ben Watson, uh, I don't know if many people know this, but Ben Watson had severe food poisoning. So um, basically he done everything he could to keep himself together, uh, on, you know, through the races and, and basically not shit himself um, because it was that bad. So um, the fact that he was able to bounce back on the Sunday and do what he'd done, and, and I've seen enough to tell me that he's way more happier on that bike and that team than, than anything. And a big shout out to the beta guys because – they are a really, really nice team. He's got a great group of people around there. Uh, Lupino, super happy. He's a really great teammate for him to have. You could already see that Ben's in such a happy, like, happy place or a happier place than last year. He's um, the most relaxed I've seen him for a long, long time. Smile on his face, even though he had some serious internal bottom issues. So, yeah. um, And uh, let's not forget Pauls Jonas. Um, yes. That yeah. move to the Honda... As just reinvig- it, it the other th- the other thing to remember is, um, they've had that bike quite late. They still haven't got the parts that they 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 require, so they're still testing. That kid's, uh, well, not that kid. That guy is just going to get better and faster. So him and Bogers are still, you know, getting used to bike. The the interesting thing I was chatting to Pauls, and he's not rode a Japanese bike since he was on an RM85. <laughs> uh, I can't even remember the year he wow. described that, but yeah, the, he he said he's not ridden a Japanese bike for, for that long. So he just said he's loving it. He's getting on really, really well. Watch the space. He's, he's coming. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be there or thereabouts. So, um, yeah. Brent the, speed, Van Don- the
1: speed and the consistency was quite solid for that first hit out. Cause obviously he didn't, he obviously had missed a couple of preseason races. He had a bit of sickness, uh, leading up to the season, and yeah, so to come out with a pretty impressive sixth and a fourth, and battling with those guys a lot of the time, but bloody impressive effort and um, Bogus, Even in that second moto, obviously he didn't have the best first moto, getting 16th, but that second one where he got seventh, he was he was chasing Prado. Like if you look, I was checking out the live timing as the race was going on, and obviously hearing your feedback, he w- he was coming. If he had a couple of more laps, he might have been able to put a move on Prado. So once again, another guy that. Um, Sardinia is going to be really interesting to see how to him, if him, uh, Valandra and Watson, but especially for him, if he can get a start, get those starts r- real, really dialed in, he could do some serious damage because he's he obviously won a GP last year and he's a very impressive rider. He doesn't make too many mistakes um, either. He was obviously involved in that first uh, lap incident, which is sort of out of his control. But, yeah, he doesn't make too many mistakes and he keeps it upright quite well in the last year. You haven't seen too much uh, drama. Obviously, Hasn't the, everyone Everyone has in the past, really, in motocross. It's sort of hard to avoid. But, yeah, last year was quite a solid, consistent year and obviously had that immense win. So I'll be really keen to see the series move to Riola and obviously Prado will be gunning for a great ride there because he's uh, very proficient in the sand, to say the least, and, and hurlings as well, moving into the soft stuff. So it's sort of given us a nice precursor for the season, hasn't it, mate?
0: yeah well one of the funny stories well uh, funny stories i find it funny and probably other people with my humor might find it funny uh, which is not funny of course because someone getting rid rode over it is not funny but um <laughs> it was how calvin Vlanderen said it so basically uh, calvin was um was obviously uh, just doing his thing and jeremy went down in front of him so he had nothing to do, so he had to make a split-second split, split second decision of either throwing on the brakes and just literally taking Jeremy's skin off his back, or option two, um, <laughs> flick the clutch and try and jump him. So um, – yeah. He went for option two, uh, flicked the clutch and used Jeremy as a jump, um, <laughs> yeah. which which left Jeremy, luckily, with uh, his skin intact, but tyre marks across his shirt. So um, I think Calvin went up to him uh, at the end of the race and kind of said... Uh, uh sorry mate I had two literally two options it was either um chuck brakes on and uh, that was going to hurt or I used you as a jump so um <laughs> uh, Jeremy was like yeah that's fine dude no no problem no, I'm all in." with so, so poor Jeremy had a horrific weekend you know like obviously had the massive get off and then Calvin ran over him so um yeah it, I, I, I think what's was pretty cool is the, these guys are trying to win but at the same time they're tr- they understand the dangers what's involved so but i know yeah. i laugh about this and, and i was i was kind of chuckling because of the whole situation but you know it, it's, it has se- serious repercussions yeah. but um,
1: there's a lot know. of mutual respect between the blokes because they know oh. they know the effort and the sacrifice it takes to get there and the and the danger associated with it so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see in in professional level sports that the respect they have for one another and they're they're happy to show it, you know. Because a lot of yeah, you know, back, back
0: after, Yeah, he literally as soon as he got off the bike went over and seen him to check on him to make sure he's all good. So um, yeah, that was cool. So I think that's a that's our wrap up, isn't it? Uh, of yeah, MXG. do you want to?
1: Have, yeah, that's the MXGP pretty much done. A quick quick little word on um obviously Guadagnini showed the flashes and the motos, didn't quite go to plan, had a crash in the first one and just couldn't find that rhythm in the second one. He said he was just hitting all the terrible lines, all the bumps, all the holes, all the ledges. So expect him to come back to Sardinia, where I should believe he made his debut on the 450 last year, because obviously. After Majora, he, that was the last race on the 250, and then the 450 he went to Ariola, and he got a top 10 overall, I'm pretty sure, so it'd be cool to see him to go back, come full circle, and um, give a little shout to Pacharel too. He did quite well, uh, 13th and 11th. Um, yeah, good to see him back on the gate, back healthy. Got a cool little uh, debate to Yamaha team, the private team set up, going there supporting him, and I reckon he's probably in line for a few top tens, mate. And yeah, obviously Van Donick, not the weekend he wanted, even though he got an eighth in the first one and had the, had the bike issues in the second, which you can provide a bit more light on. But yeah, there's even you know, Oslin and is Keep an eye on them, the JWR boys. So yeah, it's there's a lot of it's pretty stacked class, isn't it, mate? And then you're bringing in probably some the likes of Jassikonis and Monticelli eventually in a few rounds, and it um, throws up some pretty cool competitors, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, the um, uh, going back to uh, the JDR boys, they're on our um, our flight, and we we're having a, a, a bit of a conversation about the track and stuff. In Rus, is it Rusiog? Rusiog? Yeah. Um, what a nice guy! Super, super, super chill guy. Really good, really nice guy. Um, yeah, again, was pretty open in uh, about his weekend and stuff. And uh, he's got a really good opportunity on the JDR bike, along with Usland. Um, so I, I, you know, those those guys uh, have been brought in by Johanna team owner. Um, I, I think, you know, Uslan could could do something very very good within uh, Sardinia. It's a track perfect for him. So it, you know, watch the space. Again, there's there's several riders that will do, but I think he'll he's he's gonna, you know, he's gonna hopefully get that that, that sort of top ten, like fifteen to 10, 15 to 10th, um regularly. I think that's mm. what he's gonna be looking for. Um and that will help get give JWR some, some consistency. Um and what about yeah. Van
1: Donick heading into the sand, mate?
0: What do you reckon? Yeah, Van Donick again I mean he's just he's pre-season, he's he's in form I I I spoke to him again at the uh, the airport and we were just talking a little bit about it and I said have you done anything different to last year? And um he said no, just like, literally I've had a really good preseason. It's been solid uh, not overridden, just done what I needed to do, feel really good. I'm healthy. Um, you know, I'm coming into the season as good as I can be. Um, so, and, and, it, you know, I think that the race two um, that was just a, a bike fault, um, uh, like just an electrical thing. So, um, it's just one of those things, but again, um, once they they've, you know, once they've got those, uh, you know, same with, um, Sorry, standing construct. I think once they are a little bit more testing, and those guys are going to be all good.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Riol is shaping up nicely, mate. A lot of a lot of sandmasters will be ready to sort of uh, get some pretty great results there. So keep an eye on that in a couple of weeks, mate. You'll be there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And a uh, shout out to Paturell, who's gone for the James Burfield um, board look. He just got the <laughs> clippers out and just shaved everything. So um, great look, great look. Um, huge thank you to Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. It's fortified through the Four and Moose brands and their support of worldly MX riders like Calvin Vlanderen, Jorge Prado, Lagenfelder, Guadagini, Jonas Bogers, and nine-times world champion and Thor ambassador, Tony Caroli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike. Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out our website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure... There is one close to you. So big thank you to uh, Parts, AS3, Arma, Evenstrokes, Asterisk. Um, Huge thank you to those guys for uh, supporting us this year. Um, Parts Europe have been absolutely phenomenal. We've um, got some fantastic reviews on the website now. Um, We're currently going through their catalogue and we're testing everything. And those guys just turned around to me and said, if there's things that we can improve on, uh, please let us know. You know, we 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 try and do our best. Um, and I think that says a lot. So uh, huge thanks to Parts Europe. Uh, we'll be back for uh, part two, where we break down the MX2 class. Welcome back to the MX Vice Show. 117 in the books. Myself and Ed Stratman breaking down everything from Argentina. Part two is brought to you by AS3 Performance Parts the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts. From hard-wearing protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impellables. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch, and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. Also, they do a fantastic range of bling parts for your bike, so if you're looking to get those Awesome little bits for your bike, which make them look really nice and pretty, ready for the photos. And you just look at least go a second, a lap faster. Then uh, check out the AS3 Performance parts. They literally will ship all over the world. Ran by a fantastic guy Ben and his team. Um, they're super helpful. Customer service is on point. Give those guys a shout, and you can save quite a bit of money on your aftermarket parts. uh We need to try and get a discount code set up. If you're listening, Ben, let's get that done. Um, Ed, MX2 um, did not disappoint No,
1: it didn't uh, Yago was on fire, mate Obviously, perfect weekend for him Qualifying race win, two moto wins 11 points clear in the championship over Adamo Who also had an ex- excellent weekend Second overall He's 11 points clear already, mate. It's quite staggering, and a 19 clear of Beniston already. So obviously they can be made up just as quickly as that they gain those gaps. But it seems like a lot when he's yeah, like almost a, a race win ahead of Langenfelder already, who had a bit of a bit of a rough weekend. But yeah, it's um, he's certainly asserted his dominance pretty early. And you were speaking to him, and he was obviously like sort of oh, top five going out. Obviously didn't have a perfect preseason wasn't the greatest and he was sort of tempering the expectations. Yeah. Top five will be my aim and then just come out with a bang and go one, one, one. So yeah, you did. You had, had plenty of chats with him, mate. And he, he seemed pretty confident and, and composed and relaxed throughout the weekend and in a good headspace, didn't he? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, to be honest, Yago is one of those guys that I've not spent a great deal of time with. Um, you know over the last couple of years and i don't know why it maybe it's uh, i didn't make the effort um but i got to be honest uh the kid's really grown on me he is such a cool kid like I, again he, i don't think his personality comes across and, you know like we talk about his social media pre- on previous um uh you know on previous shows and stuff like that but i actually spent a lot of time with him talking and and he is you know intelligent he is uh <laughs> He understands obviously his racecraft. And obviously, you know, he's he understands, you know, that he's not as um, you know, talked about as is some riders, maybe for speed and stuff like that. But obviously, I don't I do think people quite understand him. So um I got to spend quite a bit of time with him. Um funny, funny kid. He literally makes me laugh. So uh we uh we, we spoke about it on Friday. We'd done a couple of interviews and, and sat down and he just said, look, um, you know, I've had a lot of time off the bike over the winter period. I, I'm coming into this no matter what people say I'm coming into this to do you know a top five I'm not gonna kill myself I'm just gonna literally just gonna do what I need to do to get those points and go and then uh he obviously got to start on the Saturday and just went so as he's co- as he's come in he's come off the bike took his helmet off and I'm like uh top 5 taking it easy he went not when get, not when you get a start <laughs> he said when i get a start like that you got to take it and uh, and that just made me chuckle a little bit because it was kind of how he delivered it it was funny and um and and again the opportunities arose in in, in the two races and he just took it in dominant fashion and again he just said Look, i you know I've, I've had time off the bike you know i've you know I, i've not been on the bike i spoke to hans corvers and he just said yeah you know, he's way above what we anticipate. He said, And Hans Korver said, we didn't come here to win. We came here just to get points. So the yep. fact that he's walking away with a points lead like he has already after one round. Yeah. I mean, everything's going to plan for him. Um, and then it was quite funny because uh, another thing which uh, did tickle me was uh, I spoke to him on a Saturday and it was like, uh, what do you think about the the qualifying race? Yes, oh, it's, 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 it's shit. Um, you know, <laughs> it's not, not but you know, but I gotta do it. And uh, after he won, I was like, uh, how are you feeling about that it? qualified? It's the best. <laughs> It's such a great <laughs> idea. And, and this was the thing. I was like, I've never spent that much time with him. And now to talking to him, he's really funny. So, um, yeah, his personality really came through the weekend. So uh, I'm looking looking forward to doing more interviews and stuff like that and seeing how yeah. that develops. So, um,
1: in the, you know, in the never- first know he was under a bit of pressure from um, Beniston, who obviously crashed um, in the
0: in Oh, the closing he was so stages. fast until he crashed, yeah. yeah.
1: But also, you're looking actually like almost like grew into the weekend more and he, he was actually got the fastest lap time in the second motor by almost 1.5 seconds and that's just a testament to obviously how good he was feeling and how how well he, he sort of yeah just yeah. just built into the weekend mate
0: my, my last statement to him as i was walking past was top five my ass and i just <laughs> off so it uh, <laughs> just started laughing so um yeah it was uh it was an impressive ride um you know, he'd, he'd done everything he needed to do and, and to walk out 11 points in front is insane. But like these qualifying races, uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I've always moaned that, you know, um, what is the point in a qualifying race anyway? Um, everybody's kind of, you know, busting their ass to um, to get that start position. And it's really bit of a nothing race. But now it's kind of, I, I got to be honest. I was on the fence, and and I quite like it. I think it's it brings something a bring, bit more energy to the to the Saturday. It's way more purpose for the riders, um, and they're embracing it. I mean, uh, there's not one person that turned around to me and said, you know, they didn't they didn't like it. Especially uh, those in the top ten when they got those extra points. But um, yeah. I, I, do you know what they? You know, the titles are going to be won and lost on qualifying races this year, Ooh. hands down. Especially with MXGP, with how tight it is. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be some great racing on the Saturday because those points are still going to, are going to soon stack up.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Cause yeah, it sort of adds a bit more jeopardy uh, to the Saturday, obviously. And it'll be interesting to see how that carries over to Europe, obviously with the DMX AMX classes coming in as well. It'll um, The fans will probably flock quite, quite well to the Saturday and obviously to Sunday. So, but yeah, the, the riders, uh, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Cause it, it it's, did you did you feel a lot of elevated risk chat in the paddock around it, or was it more just it's here now, so let's deal with it?
0: Yeah, it's exactly that. I think um, I think they were racing qualifying races anyway. Uh, apart from in COVID, when it went down to one day format, so um, they've they've done this before. A lot of people, a lot of riders, actually enjoy the two days. So uh, mm. contrary to what you 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 hear and read in the media, a lot of the riders do like two days because they like to spend time on the bike and get the bike set up, so that they feel comfortable for the racing. So they're they're at optimal speed in 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 mm. you know they're comfortable. Um, but you have to look at some of the, some of the results, like Lagenfelder wasn't quite his self all day. Um, mm. couldn't put my finger on it. It just, it just didn't, didn't come for him, but yeah. across across Sunday, but when you start to look at the qualifying race for him, that dug him out of a big hole. Yes. So, you know, getting a third in the qualifying race, getting the eight points really, really helped out because, you know, from his standard. He didn't get the points which um he would have been hoping for on on the Sunday in racing. So, I think you've got to look at this to say, and actually, if you can have a really good qualifying race, then you've you've it takes a little bit of the pressure off because mm. you go into Sunday with a decent, you know, some half decent points anyway. So, if you do have a little bit of an issue, you've still got that in the bank.
1: Yeah, it was seventh overall by virtue of his eight five. It's it's not what he had in mind. I think he had. A, had a little um, misstep in one of those motos and just, yeah, just no. Obviously, he's one of the legitimate contenders. Probably him, DeWolf, uh, Beniston, even Adamo's emerged with a brilliant weekend. He got those qualifying race points and he got those two really good finishes despite having terrible starts in both motos, which was well-documented by that video, made all the Red Bull KTM MX2 guys. But he's looking really good. We I had a chat to him a couple of weeks ago and really confident, really focused, um, took a little bit of time to get used to that Red Bull KTM. He said, I just struggled a little bit with the transition initially. You have to sort of ride it quite hard, quite fast to get the best out of it. And he's obviously got the best out of it and he's he was recording some Really good lap times, really consistent weekend. And, and like he said to you, perfect way to start the season. He, he couldn't have dreamt of a better start.
0: Well, let's go back to the start of things because I've got some insight um, um to yep. this. Because I was down on the start uh, gate with Maxime Renault and uh he was there with his dad and um i'm kind of talking to Jeremy. we're kind of getting some 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 film ready for uh for mitch like getting a nice little start pictures and stuff like that maxine starts to go down on hands and knees and starts rubbing the green start gate and i'm just looking at Jeremy. Jeremy's looking at me and we're like okay because <laughs> basically the start gates are, are black green black green black green and uh, I'm wondering what he's doing. Basically, I spoke to Mitch later, and uh, and and he said that basically they're finding that the green gate seems to be more slidey, so it doesn't seem to grip as well as the black gates. Okay. But then when you look at the MX2 bikes, we caught that um, uh, we caught the um, basically Everts and Adamo having you know shocking starts um, with literally you know, back completely out of control. Amazing how both riders came through the field to, to finish where they did, because they were so, <laughs> but what you didn't see was there was, I think it was Elsinger on the Yamaha as well, who's done exactly the same thing. So it's nothing to do with the bikes. I've seen a couple of comments by saying, oh, that happened to Jeffrey Hurlins at Hawkstone, but it Hawkstone, I spoke to um, a lot of the mechanics and the mechanics said at Hawkstone, the start gates were terrible, like the where they started from, because there was no traction at all. It was like literally trying to like start off of a frying pan. So, um, so uh, yeah, uh, the video is a little bit misleading because there's nothing to do with the KTM. There was other bikes as well which were sliding, but the other thing which threw the cat amongst the pigeons was it wasn't just the the green gates that um, were basically lending itself by the end of the day. It was the black gates as well. So... Um, I, I, interestingly, I think Chad Reed um commented on um yeah. MX Vice Post and basically said uh forget what forget anything else, look at how the start technique is. Because um, you know, they were using blocks and this and that and everything else. And I think I think uh what would be interesting is in Sardinia is look at who gets the best jumps out of the gate. And uh, maybe we'll do some videos on that and we'll try and analyze a little bit more about. Um, what they're doing and what who's doing what in and everything else to get out the gates because I think it's a really interesting concept and also showed in Argentina if you get that gate wrong that's it you're, you're, it's so hard to come through and every writer said the same like Guadagini, Gerst they all said when you get that start you, have, you, you just go uh, and when you haven't got that start it's so hard coming through because you only have to look at the lap times those guys are all clocking pretty much the same times you you know, you're not going to be making up too much time unless unless you're like a Renault who's able to take a second off a lap. Mm. So
1: Beneston was actually like he had the first fastest lap time in the first moto, and he'll probably feel like the weekend was a little bit of a lost opportunity because he he may have even had more pace than Yago to be honest, and he obviously probably feeling a bit better physically and heading in, and he he's ready that he's fit this year, which is something that he hasn't had the last few years that that fitness and the condition that he's actually healthy. Heading in, so I yeah. think he, he probably will feel a little bit of frustration, especially that crashing um, that went on. And but yeah, he he will get better for it, and he's obviously leaves the fight another day. But I I really think Yago will have a challenge once Beneston's fully up to speed because he's uh, he's a brilliant rider to watch, so so technically gifted and just does it just quite flamboyant as well, and does all these little things on the bike, just the little little subtle things that you just like Tushin told last year when he won, that was just just amazing masterclass sort of put on a clinic that day. So if he, if he produces more more rides like that, look out.
0: The, um, the interesting thing about uh, the Benestat is he's so strong as well. So he's able to really push and pull the bike around to where he wants to go. And he'll be kicking himself because that was a great opportunity the weekend to, um, to, uh, you know, get a few extra, extra points, which, um, and especially with Gertz not feeling, you know, a hundred percent or not being a hundred percent, not feeling, but actually physically not being a hundred percent with bike time. So that, that was a, he would have known that going into it. Maybe he put a little bit of pressure on himself. I, I'm not sure. Um, that's a conversation. I take points back. Yeah, he's going to be kicking himself. One of the the things I did learn from one of the interviews I think you might have seen was um, Adamo's been training with Prado. Yeah. So um, I found that quite interesting because he said that they're getting on really, really, well. They're training every day together and riding every day. And he said that he's picking up so much from him. So Smets
1: um, too, so it's a good program by the sound of it, mate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we you, when you think of Viao Vial exploded from EMX 250 and went and got the opportunity for the KTM uh, Red Bull bike and, and we've seen what he done with winning two world championships. You got to believe that Everett's and uh, Adamo. Um, you know, and I, I spoke a lot to to Adamo and I've done over the last couple of years yes. and I've uh, watched his progress from EMX 150 And um yep. yeah, he's he's got he's got a good head on his shoulders. He knows what he needs to do. He's got good people around him. Uh, and now he's got an absolute rocket ship for a bike. So, um,
1: yeah, and the like, Coroli presence too, mate. Like, like you spoke to him about having him around, has been a huge boost for him. And that, and that sand riding, which he know he knows he needs to improve.
0: Well, they, they spent a lot of time. The whole team spent a lot of time just grinding out. Whilst everybody else was was here and there and everywhere, they the team were just located in normal and just spent like so many weeks just literally pounding out laps at lommel so um he said that his sand riding is just vastly improved so it'll, you know a, a great test is going to be sardinia this uh well you know the next gp because um the uh the, the test to see how how much that's been paying off for them um but from everything i've seen uh, I, he was already I, I was a big fan of him last year and, and, and the performance he put in was so so good yeah. I'm really impressed with, with what I've seen so far. And again, if 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 you're looking at rivals for Gertz and um, you know, Benistan, his teammate's gonna be one who's gonna be looking to upset everything. Uh yeah. Adam could be a, a real dark horse for the title this year.
1: Yeah, yeah interesting. And he said obviously on the SM Action Gas Gas last year, he said that podium might have come a little bit too soon. Uh it was a Mantiva. And it obviously elevated the pressure on him a little bit and, and then everyone expects, Oh yeah, podium, 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 and he didn't really reach those heights again but he put a lot of consistent rides in he got a lot of a lot of important experience and bike time and he, he probably he was the the probably the deserved candidate for that role at Red Bull KTM and he seems to handle the pressure well he, he obviously said that it's it's no big weight on his shoulders at Red Bull KTM because I let my work do the talking that's that's it's a motivation and he loves it he loves riding every day he loves getting better every day there's there's not a lot of negativity in his program and his his perspective and and mentality is perfect to to make himself a success.
0: Yeah, I um, yeah, I I expect him to be, uh, you know, a title challenger this year. Uh, everything I've seen, everything he's been doing, uh, and his progress over the winter period is 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 uh is you know paying dividends. It like I said, I think Rail is going to be. Maybe it's too soon, yes, but I think it'll be interesting to see what he can do in the sand. Um, he obviously understand he understood his weaknesses. And um, he really, you know, he prefers being hard pack he told me. You know, that's what he mm. prefers. But, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what he can do. Yeah. Uh, this next one was a crazy one because yeah. I've got to be honest. I I kind of predicted with um, with uh, Gertz not being 100% and having a little time on the bike over, over the last sort of month. Um, I thought it's played quite nicely into Kai Wolf's hands. And um, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know whether it was the the pressure of, um, you know, he, he came in really good form. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I still can't put a finger on what went wrong, nor can he. Um, yeah. He, again those mistakes he is really honest with me uh in the interviews Mm. and after the interviews when we 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 chat sort of off the off the off the record and um yeah i think he was i don't know he's got ruben in his in his corner if people don't know that ruben's the guy who had been behind hurlins for for many many years um uh you know he's been there he's he's seen it he's done it you know if ever you need a guy to 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 work with it's it's no whips Ruben. No, um, no whips. <laughs> no whips Ruben. Um so yeah he, you know again I think he was disappointed. I think um you know the team were like a little bit kind of you know it's a real shame. On the other hand, Van Moosdyke was was just awesome. Again, he's had less time on the bike, a bit like Gertz. Um he's only been on the bike two weeks. Um you know, real difficult um off season. Uh he was he looked really good all weekend. You could see that the tiredness crept in because of the lack of bike time. So again, Sardinia, two weeks time. He's gonna have more time on the bike. Fantastic yeah. Sam rider. Uh I expect him and Kyder Wolf to be um you know having some very good battles. And then uh yeah. what can we say about um Lucas Conan? Conan. Mm, such a good I mean, it, season, today. The kid's electric. I mean, I spent a little bit of time with him. Um, Really nice family, um, super awesome family uh, around him. He is a fun kid. I mean, I don't want to put comparisons and I'm, and I'm I'm going to get slated again for this. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he he just has, and this is not riding, but as in personality wise, he has the Jet Lawrence vibe about him. Super relaxed, super happy, um, just playing around, um, and sixteen years old, insane. Um, obviously, I don't know if you've seen uh, the crash, but it was, he had, he had a big one off the start. Literally, as you came round the start, like I said, you come round the first at the. Uh, uh, you know, the style of
1: Langenfelder. He pretty much he ripped the whole shot. in the, yeah.
0: yeah. And, uh, the, the interesting was, I don't know if you've seen the footage, but, uh, it was the new F and H guy, uh, rider, David Brasiras, And, um, mm. Oh my God. Did you see the off he had? Yeah. I he literally got catapulted. Um, it was like, if, if there was like a gymnastics grading, that was like a 10 for dismount. It was unbelievable. Mm. Um, not the landing obviously because that would have hurt but literally how he just went off the bike was just insane so um yeah but i i do expect the uh i do expect kyder wolf uh kunin and um and van mustite to come out swinging in sardinia i think they you know they, the as the team you know yeah. i think uh rasmus would you know said he's really pleased with Dyke's M- performance you know given the bike time he had I do think that those boys are going to come out swinging in Sardinia, so um, nothing to worry about there. Um, yeah. When you look at the results from the weekend, just yeah, it's just one of those things.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I Kyder think Kai. Will- is, yeah, Kai especially will probably feel like a, it's a little bit of a, a lost one. But like, like he was saying to you, obviously he just never felt it, did he? The track never felt that sort of moment of clarity or, or comfort. And even though Ruben was telling him, "Yeah, you're good. You're doing good, mate. Keep doing what you're doing," he wasn't. He just wasn't there was he and obviously he had the crash last year so that he said that might have even been subconsciously playing on my mind but uh on his mind and it's just yeah it's a strange strange week and could have been a lot better without the crashes but he he comes away with eighth overall six going six ten um he's better than that he knows he's better than that and i'm pretty sure he's keen to get the Riola.
0: yeah it's the um what uh one of the things which came through the weekend is like how hard they are on themselves like you know they have a you know, bad race bad result and stuff like that and the riders are like no one needs to tell them you know they're, they're so so hard on themselves it's just like geez um, so young as well yeah so young as well but um one of the the guy which impressed me showed you know again he's got blistering speed is um is Kevin Horgmo mm. Didn't quite go well in the in obviously the first one for him, but the second one when he did get the start, um, and he did he did have two great starters Apart from uh, I think someone cra- there was a, I'm pretty sure someone crashed in front of him. Um, the on, first on one, the yeah, but the second race, you know, got a great start and uh, you know and brought it home. Uh, he just looked, he just looked good. He looked fast. He looked in control. But ag- again, it's. It's the starts, and, and Argentina lent itself to that being what, that track. What you did need a good start. If you got a good start, you were you're in, you in the you know you're you in the money. If you didn't get a good start, then it was yeah. going to be tough. Um, when it I was, was walking so the track with Nick, as well, he, he just said, "There's plenty of pa- passing opportunities." um in Argentina, but you've got to tee them up beforehand. So it's like you've got to work on them a tenth of a second here, a tenth of a second there, uh, and then finding the right place to pass. So um the back section as well lend itself to quite a few passes, which was just before the finish line. There was a loop there. And yeah. um you could square people up in the corner. There was an outside and inside lane. Um so uh that, that a lot of passes got got completed there from being from teeing them up from in the previous sector. So, um, but it's still, even though Mitch mentioned that it was, you know, you have to line up the passes, it still was pretty difficult to pass. Um, yeah.
1: I think, uh, Kevin's, is pretty keen to come on the pod or have a chat with us in the next couple of weeks. So we'll be able to hear, hear from him directly pretty soon. So, but yeah, he sort of carried the good work from, from last season. I think he got 11 or 12, uh, top six overall finishes, never, never finished out the top outside the top 10 overall, um, consistent, has has a speed too though, doesn't he? Like he's got a lot of speed, which he showed oh, and fast. and I think the talents there. He could he could emerge as a as a sneaky GP winner, Moto winner, and um really oh. really put himself in the mix to be a bit of a destroyer, uh sort of cat amongst the pigeons for the heavier hitters.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And you have to remember that he has got uh the Trenor. Trainer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. in uh in his uh, corner um and and as he said the boss was happy with um race 2 so yeah. um so uh that's all you need to know the boss was happy with race 2 so um yeah more things are going to come from him uh the one thing i will say is uh the mx2 class isn't as deep as previous years so in previous years we've had you know you know, we've been, been quite lucky really with like a, in a top top 15 of 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 very, very good riders. I think this year, I know it's Argentina, I know it's um, obviously a, a, you know, a big old travel and expense and stuff like that, but there wasn't, not like uh, MXGP, there wasn't the the depth in there and you've kind of got to go down to, um, you know, you, you got... Uh, Tom Guyon, who uh, finished like, sort of 15th overall. Back. But he,
1: he had a great race in uh, France at the end of last year. So he, he's obviously got top five speed on his day. We'll see how he goes with the Fantic. But he, even, obviously, Braceris is quite talented. He'll he need a bit of time on yeah. a great weekend. And even Tertendale, he in the pre-season races, he, especially in Ponte Egla, he was he was good speed. So he, he's obviously, yeah, people that follow MX know him well, and he's he's got a lot of talent and um, just a couple of guys didn't have great weekends, but I know what you mean the depth is probably not as the depth up the top's pretty amazing, like top eight, top ten is uh, yeah. pretty excellent. And it, there's a there's a slight drop-off, but even you guys like Jan Pangsar and um Weckman had a pretty solid weekend. Martinez and we need to talk about Harrop, mate. He's into six in the second moto, had those bike issues well, in the first one. You've you've got some stuff on that.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Harrop because first and foremost. Um, you know, I, I see what everybody puts online and, and they're always saying, you know, uh, the, the, the common, uh, the vibe is that Steve Dixon, um, builds a super fast bike, but he spends more time trying to, uh, take grams off of a bike than actually keep it together. And that's not, you know, if you sit down and speak to Steve and you talk to him in depth, he'll, he'll educate you on many, many, um, on uh, many, many ways that you're, you're wrong. But one of the one of the things which I will say is you have to remember that Steve Dixon does not have a factory budget. So I, I, I kind of like always think of uh, Steve's budget as the equivalent of MX Vice's budget. You know, it'd be so good to have the budgets so of vital in, in, in race X and LL, but we, we, MX Vice is like the Steve Dixon where we, we're literally just trying everything to get to the yeah. races. And, the um, mate. And when you talk to him, you know, you, you the passion. No one's got more passion than him in the in the pits. No one. I don't care what you say. Um, the guy just lives and breathes motocross. In the fact that he is team manager, he was mechanic, he was <laughs> everything. You know, in in, in in in. But but one one thing you have to say is he he split three engines and built one engine out of the three in two hours to get Harrop into um, race two. A lot. So a lot of the stuff what um, Steve's been up against, he can't do massive amount of testing because uh, obviously he hasn't got an endless budget. If he did have an endless budget, there's still inventory issues you have because yeah. some products still can't... It doesn't matter how much money you have, some products still can't get made. He makes pretty much everything from scratch on that bike. Um, inlet valves, every, everything you can think of is machined and, and, and done. So... Um, The level's insane. The problem what he's got at the moment is just that, you know, he's only got so so many amount of parts. He can't do a massive amount of testing because he's only got X amount of parts to get him through. I, I believe he said in April, he will get majority of his parts come through. And when he gets those come through, that's when they can do a lot of testing. Now, for anybody who did see Harrop, that performance in race two was by far the performance of the weekend. And there was some, I know that sounds crazy, but, but listen, Harrop hadn't been on the track. Um, literally, I think the only thing he went on was a test track when the bike overheated. So he yeah. went out in race two, like the track had completely changed. Um, he'd done one site and lap and, 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 goes out and gets a, a SIF. I mean, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal ride. Um, and, the other thing as well he's 21 yeah and uh he he said to me this, and this was the the one thing he he was like he believes he's a title contender he yeah. he genuinely believes that he is a title contender in that championship he's fighting for that championship this year and the disappointment that he was unable to do what he believes he can do was just you know talk about a rider beat themselves up mm-hmm. but at the same time he didn't moan he wasn't negative he didn't turn around and say this is shit or, or anything else he was super chilled super happy believed in steve believed in the bike um and just said it is what it is and that blew me away because yeah, it's,
1: it's, like, pretty, it's just so impressive mate really to to have a quicker lap time than langenfelder who's got like a factory program in that second moto it's at, at even better lap time than Adamo as well. It's like wow, you can't really you know pay the bloke more respect. It's because he he, no. knows, he knows he's good enough. He he's he's well and truly got the speed, and there was plenty of examples of that last year and then throughout his career. And if you can piece everything together, obviously he knows Steve will be doing everything in his power to 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 rectify anything that's gone wrong before Riola and and you know he's 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 got his nose to the grindstone on everything, mate. And you would have seen the first hand, the the tireless work he was putting in. To to get everything in place so Mikhail could have a have a fighting chance in that second one and yeah it's, uh, it's 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 sort of like it's sad but it's so so super exciting moving forward for him too
0: yeah it was um it was real funny because like Steve had like four bo- four bags of um what can only be described as is uh like you know kit bags but literally every part you can think of were put yeah. in his bag. <laughs> So obviously he's done his best to literally use as much of the free cargo what um in front of given him to put a bike and everything else. And then he's completely abused the airline by literally just like, like engines everywhere and pirates and stuff like that. So it was phenomenal to see because I've never seen so many parts in um four bags in my life. I'm sure you could have built about six bikes from it. So um uh like you know, fair I, I, I would just love to see a little bit of luck come come their way, but yeah. <laughs> um uh, Steve and also, and also Mikhail, because what a story that could be! Um, mm. You know, it, it is a proper fairy tale story if they can if they can win a GP this year. Which, to be fair, I think they could. So yeah. um, you know, it's only five points
1: better. back already on uh, Yago, so it leaves you in a little bit of a hole. But um, yeah, he did, did a good salvage mission.
0: Yeah, he did, and and I think it's we've got to emphasise that. You Know, imagine going out on a track which you do not know against competitors that have been you know pounded out laps and literally go out and get a sip. I think that for me, that was that was the performance of the day. Um, yeah. there were some great performances. You know, Gertz was super impressive, uh, Fernandez, is second been, yeah. race, but when you start to put things in perspective, what Harrop done, um, and, and also just the mindset as well to like not let that affect you, yeah, phenomenal. Press so, the I um, too. Yeah, I mean, Christ! Can you imagine? Like you've 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 got a bike which uh, is is been made up of three different bikes, and you're hitting, and and it's a fast track. You're hitting those jumps, and those jumps are massive. Like they're huge. I walked I walked the whole track the weekend. In uh, there's not one part of me which said, like, not even for money. No, there was no money that you could give. (laughs) <laughs> it was just like, no, no, no.
1: <laughs> this is and, and a lot of the GP fun. tracks are like that too, aren't they, mate? They're they're wild tracks. So, yeah, to do what he did was good. And I wanted to to touch on Rick Elzinger, mate, sort of not, not drawing the headlines or, or, or the spotlight, but he deserves a lot of credit for that effort. He's, I don't think he's 100% right now heading in. And obviously there's a lot, of, a lot of sort of noise around him saying, was he the best man for that seat? And he's an AMX 250 champion coming in and, he sort of let he let his riding do the talking on the weekend, mate. Going seven four for fifth overall, pretty calculated, measured ride. Just kept it up, kept it upright, kept it stable, well balanced. Really, really good rider. He's obviously been through quite a lot the last few years. Obviously, on not almost sort of almost thinking about giving the the sport up. Really, went to America for a little for that for that AMA and um yeah and he's he's done it the hard way mate got that got that Hutton Mattel ride um flexed his muscles there and then the Yamaha Monster Energy MX2 seat and he he vindicated their decision to 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 push him up which I think was um gonna happen but yeah good on him
0: yeah he got better throughout the weekend um But one thing I didn't realize is how big he is. He's huge. So uh like on MX2 Pike, he's massive. I'm sure he could like literally just pick it up and in in go around on it. So but um his performance the weekend was really good. It was definitely under the radar, uh, completely justified uh everything. But I think what's gonna happen is he's gonna be under the radar all the time throughout the year, because when you've got Gertz and you've got okay. Benestan teammates, you're always gonna be under the radar. But his performances were solid the weekend. And and again, um, he's just going to get better for out of the year. You know, he, he reminds me of uh, where Bannerstamp was last year. So I think he's going to, he's going to, uh, will he podium? I, I believe it, he could get a podium this year. Yeah.
1: yeah another, um, another man that Riola might be quite good too as well. And, um obviously we'd sort of worked through our way most of the top 10 um after elzing he had van der mosdijk he obviously had that injury coming in and minimal minimal bike time so uh tip of the cap to him for sure is simon langenfelder we've discussed not the weekend he wanted and Everts, another man that um probably leave a little bit frustrated because he definitely had some good speed and just oh, those crazy. mistakes cost him again, didn't it, Made And the starts didn't help either. So to get a fifth in that first one, and so he's gone 5.13 for ninth overall. Yeah, uh, not but the weekend, but you see the flashes.
0: It was funny because I was at this, obviously I took the the video at the start. So um, the side on view I had, because I was looking through the camera. So obviously you're, you're trying to, because I'm, I'm trying to tweet on this as well, and I'm trying to film. So it's kind of like you want to know who's got the whole shot. You want to know who's got the, the 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 you know the 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 jump on the gate. And uh, I couldn't quite work out because it was like I, I was like I'm sure that was sent me too. That literally just literally just got piled behind everybody. And I was like, but then like Adamo uh, is basically Adamo was uh, basically uh, same kit, everything else. So like maybe I made a mistake. Because when I looked at the uh, – and I've seen that Everett was in fifth, I was just like, nah, nah, he couldn't have started from the back and got through to fifth. And he did. Uh, so yeah. that was a hell of a performance by both of them to come through because they were both buried at um, a back gun into turn one. So the fact that he was able to get up to, to, to fifth place was um phenomenal result.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it was – that. that's um, – yeah, the MX2 class actually shaped up quite well, obviously. It'll probably only, only get better um, – with a couple of guys coming back, obviously, we, we Joel Rizzi um, wasn't quite up to it, not quite healthy enough to to make the trip, but having a pretty good pre-season. You saw him firsthand at Hawkstone. I chatted to him. He's feeling good. He's feeling fit. He knew he needed to get that fitness much better to compete with these guys for two well, qualifying race now and two motos because that was what was holding him back. So hopefully he's up ready to go for Riola because he's pretty tidy in the sand as well. So uh, it'll be good to see him back on the gate, mate.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'd be really good. I was just thinking ahead, like with um, the European rounds, it's going to lend itself quite nicely to the ones that don't clash with the MX250. If those MX250 riders are listening to this, um, which I hopefully you are, get the hell into MX2 class. So when you're not clashing, get some race time in MX2 because um, that is going to pay dividends. And there's plenty of opportunities in there now um, with it not being as deep as it, it possibly should be um, or it has in previous years, there's some great experience to be have. So the quicker they can get AMX 215 into MX2 it is going to be the one. So, um, you got to hope that people at like Bonacorsi, yeah. um, are going to be taking advantage of that because again, Bonacorsi should be in MX2. I think. Yeah, he's, good he's
1: lightning, isn't he? Cal- like yeah. Calvin valandrum was talking to us saying he's faster than him. Some practice days when he trains with him, <laughs> it's just like the kids a freak. And Lorenzo gave us some good insights into him, um, last week on the preview pod and it's okay. exciting to see how we do probably probably heads in as the the title favorite but his teammates are fast too so yeah it'd be good to see him hopefully hit up some of those races mate when he can and uh it yeah, should, it, fun and, fun. And him and him and Rizzy obviously Rizzy coming back to focus on one of the few British riders out there it's um it should we might see Bobby Bruce at a few too when the ones that Monticelli does um in MX2 but um yeah I think I'm um, just exciting to see Rizzy. I think he, he sort of Obviously, had a little setback that forced him to miss. But I think this, the, the things are trending upwards for him. So hope he can piece it all together. And he loves that Riley Yamaha team, and they like him. So push forward from here. And did yeah, you, they were- And also, I was going to ask you a quick, quick um, other couple of thoughts, mate. Um, yeah, sure. So yeah, obviously speaking to Mitch Evans, so you, you think that he'll definitely be missing Riola at this point.
0: Yeah, I think Mitch will be going for, um, you know, check up this uh, this week to, to to find out what you know the issues are and 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 uh, where he is. Um, however, you got to think that, it, it, you know, you got to believe that two weeks is not going to be, in – well, it's not even two weeks. You have got yeah. seven days before they're actually leaving for for R- R- So, um, you know, he's not going to be ready in a, in a week's time. So. Um, Maybe he he might, but I think I think uh, the team and him will probably just say, "Do you know what? Let's skip around and get back healthy for the next one." So um, because all he's going to do is re-injure it, or it's just not going to give the time to heal up. So I do think yeah. that uh, we possibly might see um, Mitch uh, skip. Um, and really did
1: right. you so. did you hear some thoughts? Obviously, the the TV production they they had some more, some more graphics, a little bit different font and and things. Was there much feedback on that? And then the new TED, the new uh, studio style uh, pre-show, um, I always had Lorenzo Hurlings and Yago on that. So, what was the sort of um, inside line on that from the paddock, mate?
0: Yeah, really good I mean everybody's kind of like talking about how much better the um the, the TV packages this year so um yeah not just the graphics but everything what they're they're doing they actually are doing quite a lot w- within the pits as well so from um Sardini onwards they're gonna have um sort of interviews going on for the fans and that type of stuff um I'm hoping that we'll be doing a live podcast at some of the ranks as well so they're going to be doing quite a lot for the fans within um uh, each gp so that's quite interesting but yeah the tv the tv uh, uh updates went down an absolute storm I, I haven't heard one person say a negative uh thing about it so um no. it goes to show that they the, the guys have been have been listening so um yeah, yeah. so uh and and, and also had a i spent a little bit of time with talking to um a couple of the guys from in front and um they kind of like we, we were talking about things like covid in in uh, I don't think, uh, and uh, hey, this is not a, a pro Infront show or anything. Like that. I, well, I'm honest with my opinions, but I don't, I don't think they would have been here in COVID if they haven't been bought by Infront. I think the the COVID thing, um, I think they're lucky to still be in business. So uh, yeah, the amount of anything events, with uh,
1: events, say uh, uh, events management during uh, COVID, just yeah, shattered. So and and your thoughts um, on the on the, obviously they helped help a lot of teams with the freight to get there. And that was obviously well received. Um, the turnout was better. A lot of more private yeah, sort
0: I think of like, teams. Yeah. Well, I spoke to the guys at JWR and without that help, they wouldn't have been there. So like literally by them extending that to, um, to those types of teams, um, to people like Vlanderen and stuff like that, then, uh, without that, um, well, Vlanderen would have gone, but JWR definitely wouldn't have gone. So, yeah. um, you know, and they, they literally had a, a bare bones team with mechanic rider, and um uh, and a team manager, that was it. So um yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more that can be done. I'm sure that everybody will be an opinion that um prize money would be fantastic. And that's the 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 last thing I think if uh, if ever they wanted to complete yeah. the series with um you know, taking it up a level, I think um the prize money and I I'm, I believe that prize money should be given. So yes, they got the salaries and yes they uh they they can you know, find many commercial avenues to to you know bring money in. But yeah. however, I think prize money would go a, a long way. So, um, yeah. and especially for those people who are battling, say, tenth uh, to twentieth.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good. They made some good moves, some good steps made. Obviously, um, we've had a lot of chats. And some of the riders have had had their thoughts on on how the series is run and the state of play in it, and. um I think there's a lot more positivity surrounding it this year. And the, the first race um, it went down really well. There was a lot of like, I know the site's been pumped and everyone's been just super excited to to have the series back. And we've got 10 points between the top five. Uh, it's, it's all shaping up well for a big year, mate. Like you said, one of the one of the best years, um, yeah, hopefully ever. But, you know, <laughs> pretty hard to beat oh, 2021, wow. but you never know. It's looking like the parity's there.
0: Yeah, for, I mean, if you want to look at the pool of... Um of the championship at the moment, we got told to get to the track early on Sunday, because if we don't get to the track early on Sunday, um, we're not getting in. They had a police escort for all the media and for the riders, Um, because at 7am there was a two mile tailback to get into the track. So that gives you an idea of the amount of fans that came from all over to go to Argentina. So what was really cool, um, we'll have some footage out, but basically, yeah, we had um, a police escort on the wrong side of the road. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Argentinian police, but they have guns and they don't talk about. So um, literally, as these guys are going up on motorcycles, you got people going into freaking hedges, everything to get out of the way of these uh, crazy... Um, and very efficient Argentinian policemen, so um, yeah. they keep absolutely zero shit. And yeah. uh, and a couple of um, a couple of riders actually sort of let somebody else go, and boy, they literally gave this one driver who didn't give enough room so much shit that I thought he was going to get arrested. So um, <laughs> uh, I think that's a testament to MXGP because the amount of people that are there. Uh, I was I was actually looking at the um, they'd done a presentation beforehand to the media with the amount of people that. Uh, are, um, you know, literally the UK is the fourth biggest audience um for MXGP TV and and MXGP, which is which is incredible because the UK is not that big uh, a country, but obviously has some of the most passionate fans in the world. Um, hmm. But believe it or not, Indonesia, Indonesia is MXGP's biggest audience, with America, well, I think, second. Um, well, but the. Indo- yeah, Indi- so so every if anybody's wondering why they go to Indonesia, um, yeah. I think they probably do their due diligence and looking at the data was coming through the website, yeah. and uh, Indonesia is incredible. It, I can't remember the figures, but it dwarfed everyone. Yeah. So the you know in Asia that market's massive for them. So yeah. if they you know I'm pretty sure that's probably the same for MotoGP and in and, and Formula One yeah. as well. Yeah, they, yeah, they are, think, yeah. Got a lot of So um. Yeah, Uh, on that note, I will not be going to Indonesia. So um, I'm going to tap out now. That's me tapping, Um, unless unless a a, a commercial partner comes in and basically says we need you in Indonesia and we're going to give you X map hangs, or there's a GoFundMe to get birth to Indonesia. Um, which I will not be promoting or um, basically endorsing because I do not want to go to Indonesia. So if somebody inadvertently starts to go, fund, I'm going to be pissed because um, let's not make that happen. So um, Berth does not want to go to Indonesia. So Vietnam I'm cool with, but not Indonesia. So that's no. I, I love Indonesian people. That's not a problem. Um, I'm I'm just not a fan of the food poisoning, and I've got the world's most delicate uh, stomachs. So. I'll, if I did ever get to Indonesia, I'd be wearing the world's biggest nappy going around that place filming. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd literally just be shitting myself everywhere.
1: Yeah, no, one, uh, no one. Would, wait you know. for your um, your insights, and where where did Australia and places like France and Italy rank on those uh, rankings?
0: Just yeah, uh, Matt, again, they're a leading country. So um, yeah. I, 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 what I will do is I'll see if I can get the data from um, from Samantha because uh, in front because it's really interesting actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's pretty cool to see where that core audience, core of Motocross audience is. But I was really surprised that the little old, uh, great Britain was, um, was, uh, so, so big. And uh, I knew like, obviously we have a massive UK audience, but our UK audience is now dwarfed by our American audience. Yes, so, um, it is. so yeah, I was really surprised, but again, you know, uh, you know, shout out to the, the amount of, um, people from the U S which are following MXGP now is phenomenal. So, um. Yeah. They're really into it so if there's uh any americans out there in in hell yeah
1: yeah yeah we're bringing it's good to cause people are interested to hear about the stories of all these riders and and they a lot of people have obviously come over to watch races and seen the races they've had there in the past and they know they're they're legitimate dudes like they they're they're so fast and the tracks they ride are so brutal so yeah we they're probably uh you know you, they say yeah we're probably not going to be racing mxgp a lot of the the US riders because the tracks are savage, you know, like compared to what they're used to. So it's um, it's a it's a game changer, mate. And the definitely there's a lot of respect from the Americans, the Australians, everywhere around the world. So they're doing a good job of growing the series, and I'm sure the the numbers, the, our numbers, are reflecting that, and the the TV subscriptions are reflecting that too
0: yeah um you know you've done you've done a phenomenal job over the last few months that um obviously coming into uh fill a big void and um and yeah i can't believe like we had one of the best weekends ever um podcast just i can't even explain the podcast i mean you you know part of me was just like you know it's not going to be the same without lewis obviously we you know we we 111 episodes together um but you know, it's, it's full, uh, you know, full credit to yourself coming in big shoes to fill and, um, you've absolutely smashed it, bud. So, um, you know, with that and obviously the, the audience, um, I thought they'd want less birth to be honest. Yeah. Um, but the, more the, birth. See, people want more birth. So, yeah. uh, I was always trying to get out of this freaking podcast show now I'm the host and now I'm actually filming it at GPs and now I'm having to go to GP. So, yeah. uh, uh, what twelve months that's been!
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, the script for you, mate, and um, yeah, always thankful for the opportunity, and um, yeah, everything's going good, mate. Loving, loving the work, loving, loving covering all the racing, and um, yeah, things are going well, and we've got a, another podcast with Arminas Jassikonis coming out at the end of the week, so uh, people will be, be, be really interested to see how he's going. He's been through a lot, obviously, um, in the last few years. He's a lot of health problems, and but yeah, he's he's, he's rejuvenated, he's motivated, and he's Happy to be um, back racing the the Italian Championship and some select MXGP rounds. And he's he's in a good place at the moment, which is great to hear. And he's got a great support network around him. And so keep tuned for that one, everyone. And we'll, we'll keep bringing this to you, won't we, mate?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're hopefully, uh, we've been talking about it. Um, Lorenzo's up for it. So uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to have a breakdown show on a Saturday evening. Um, from qualifying so I think it'll just be a small 30 minute show and it'll be uh, Lorenzo Rester and myself every Saturday uh, at a GP where we'll just be breaking down um, what's happened that day nice 30 minutes you can yeah. put it on before you go to motocross um, practicing on a the, on the Sunday or racing so um, it'll be a little who's doing what when and everything else, and uh, maybe um, maybe we'll bring in some uh, a little bit of um, who's going where as well, because silly season yeah. is already in full effect. I can't say too much, but yeah. um, trust me, um, conversations have been had even started Start a year and conversations happening ridiculousness. So um, yeah, so hopefully over the next couple of months, those are going to develop quite nicely, and um, we'll be able to start talking a little bit about those as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's exciting times. And everyone's loved having Lorenzo Uh, sort of, he's been on a couple of podcasts already and he's he, all his insight and, and knowledge and he's been involved in the sport for so long and he's he's good mates with so many of those riders and he, he he's a wealth of knowledge. So we've noticed the people have been loving listening to him and we're happy to have him.
0: Well, here's an insight to Resta, right? So I was in the, the press uh In the media center and the press conference, Antonio Caroli literally just walks all the way down through everybody, spots Lorenzo, goes over, sits sits by him, puts his arm around him, and just sat there and chatted. So, if you ever want to know how how respected he is within the paddock, that you just you just got it. Um, Ed, thank you so much um, for joining us tonight. It was really good episode 117. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, We are going to work our asses off to bring you all the insights from mxgp we can't do that without the people that support us parts europe as you know are massive supporters of this podcast show aturbis are now sponsoring the uh aturbis post race podcast the videos uh that we're going to put the audio up first and the videos will be done after we put the mx vice edit bangers uh back so every every gp now we're gonna have an MX Vice edit it'd be a nice three minute one which is gonna be on YouTube so keep a lookout for that um again we cannot do this without parts europe Kawasaki UK AS3 Parts Europe Asterisk Armor Um Fox Scott uh Crikey uh Aturbis. who else Ed have I missed somebody
1: I think you've got them all we've obviously uh yeah, we've got, Energy yeah Kawasaki UK KTM UK is
0: yeah, all these guys have been phenomenal. Bell helmets um, are helping us out. Our Bell helmets, yeah. So without these guys, you know, we ain't doing this. So um, huge thank you to those guys. AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impedikits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch, and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And if you like this show, if you like the articles, you'll see the little Kofi thing. Um, Honestly, a pound a month would be phenomenal. Phenomenal. Honestly, Uh, you wouldn't believe how much um, so little helps. Honestly, you know, a pound a month is, is amazing. It really helps us, uh, by, by no means. Um, that's episode 117. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We're going to be bringing back little features each week. Um, there will be uh, Ask Vice anything coming back. Um, we at Arma, Smarter Than a Birth is definitely dead in the water as I'm now hosting. <laughs> that that fucker's gone. Um, we'll do something else with armor, but it won't be that shit show. Um, <laughs> no no one wants that. If you do, then please don't let me know. Um <laughs> But uh, we will be bringing things back each week, so uh, and we will be improving. So um, I'm, hey, you guys uh, can see the can see the plays, can see the data. Thank you so much. Um, we have an amazing support network out there, so uh, huge thanks to everyone. Um, yeah, we Ed?
1: definitely appreciate it, mate. That's for sure. And um, yeah, obviously Jeremy and and uh, Ben and um, Brad as well. They're all doing the, the crew's doing great work with everything, mate. And we're. Um, yeah, we're all just loving it, mate. So, yeah, keep up your good work, James, and um, we look forward to the next one, mate.
0: Yeah, magic times in uh Let's see if I can make it uh, – well, I don't think it's going to be 19. If we if we get those Indonesians, then that's not happening. So uh, let's see if I can make it 17 out of 19. 17 out of 19 sounds quite good. If yeah. if I go to Indonesia, I'm just going to be moaning like a, like a kid, like, you know, in a bad way. Up, bad way up, yeah, yeah. Please don't make me go to Indonesia. Um, right that's it 117 in the books um i hope you enjoyed it if you don't then um then honestly don't let us know um yeah. just keep it to uh that's us uh, see you later Ed. have a great week
1: see you mate have a good one